0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These last few years, there seems to have been an increase of interest in the occult, magic, sorcery, and and as a result of that, even Satanism. And especially, sorry, there's been an increase with that Harry Potter um, saga there. And people I think in the Orthodox Church still think that it's a joke or it's only a book or it's only a film and there's no real truth to it and there's no such thing as as, as those you know as that phenomena. But unfortunately, and this is due to ignorance and stupidity a lot of times, people are not aware that the phenomena of sorcery magic is true. The church has been teaching about it for years, and I mean, well, it's even in the Old Testament, but in the time of the Christian church, in the canons, in the first centuries, etc., there are canons which forbid Christians to visit or dabble in those type of uh, things. So, It is real. And you also see from the lives of saints, like we said last week, that a lot of this has been outlined, like in the life of Saints Kippur and which I want to start today. So we can actually understand. Remember, Saints Kippur and lived about 1600 years ago or more. But even though they lived 1600, 700 years ago, we have even newer saints, Optina elders, St. John of Cronstan and other Saint St. Nectarius and Saint Girascus. A lot of those saints also in their lives we read about magic. My as we're saying, Greek, magicians, sorcerers, whatever, sorcerers or whatever. So actually, thanks to um, Christianity, the Belief in these type of things, people involving themselves in these things, actually decreased considerably over the centuries. And that is because of the Orthodox orthodox Church. Christ came, enlightened people, remember up to that time the pagans were well into it, etc. So, with um, Christ coming on earth and teaching the establishment of his church, a lot of those things decreased. It's not have been until the last century, yes, around there, where there's been an increase, but now it's even more, which means that there has, become, there, there has occurred an apostasy from the Christian church. People are starting to move away from Christianity, and as you move away from Christianity, then you go towards those type of things. It's a well-known fact, as you read in those pamphlets, which you can. if those who didn't come last week, you can take them. Um, that um, the Satanists are quite happy, and they admit themselves, that because of, for example, the Harry Potter movies and books, they've had a very big increase in interest and membership into their cults. Also, the mediums, as we said last week, those coffee readers, people who supposedly (coughs) talk to the dead, people who tie spells and all these type of things, They've also increased in business quite a lot, so a lot of people actually run to them, and a lot of it comes because of that. But I'll start. I will explain all that as we go through the life. I want to start the life because if I start speaking, I, I sometimes don't get to the life. So I'm going to read the life, explain some things, and then I will go back to always contemporary issues as well, because I don't want to just stay on the life, because I want to show that the life of Sanskrit and Spinner, even though that's 700 years old, 1700 years old, around there, that um, actually 1800 years, that actually whatever's written here still occurs now. And I will show that with some examples as we go through. Now, St. Kiprin was born around the year 211 AD in Carthage, which is in North Africa. He came from rich and impious, as we say, that's how you say the word, uh, it's not impious, but it's impious, just in case people are not sure. He came from rich and impious pagan parents who dedicated Cyprian to the pagan god Apollo while he was an infant. Just like Christians dedicate their children and say, uh, to to they pray to God and they say, if I have a, uh, a child, then I will dedicate him to you and this and that. Or, and plus all, cre- all, ch- all children that are born, that are uh, born... And are de- um, baptized are dedicated to christ well in these in these cases these pagans they dedicated their child to the god apollo and as we know of course from the uh, old testament all the gods of the pagans are demons so that's important to uh to know so they dedicated him to that god at the age of seven he lived in athens where he became a caretaker at the, Acrop- at the Acropolis, because the Acropolis, which is in Greece and Athens, still there, was an ancient, is an ancient type of a uh, pagan temple, and that's where mm. he started to his life in this business of sorcery. I want to say something about this seven-years-old business here. And I've noticed that lately, as I'm reading, that people would always start the education of their children around that age seven but now in our times there's this movement of starting children for example at school at four and a half try and get them as early as possible and then also to try and do lessons in when the children are two years old or three years old some from the womb as I said in another talk where people put speakers on their on the women's wombs so that the child can hear and then as soon as the child is born and to slowly slowly up from about six months old to let them watch videos that they learn the alphabet and all these type of things but yet if you read even the pagans themselves would start their children off at around seven or eight why because up to that age the child still wants to be with the mother and as a priest and in and, in, and as you know, helping people in confession i've noticed that a lot of the, um, even though some of you might say, "Oh, nothing happened to me," I started at four and a half. But you know, it's only within the Christian struggle. Once someone starts struggling and starts to see themselves more, these problems begin to occur. But there are even, as we said, uh, in the secular world, where some doctors, psychiatrists, educationists, etc., are starting to say that children who start very early in education have a lot of problems. Personally, as an as a teacher before, as an ex-teacher, I think that a lot of the kids that are actually, um, a lot of the learning problems which exist today come from the early beginning of education where children just cannot comprehend and they develop problems. Now, you might find an exception here and there, but in general, emotionally, psychologically as well, etc it is a, and that's why in the schools today there is a tremendous amount of children with learning difficulties now in Greece around seven years old again I think they used to start in the old days seven eight years old and in Russia the same thing I've read that Demetrius Saint Demetrius of Rostov he will, he began to learn to read at around 11. Some of the opt elders who became great saints of the Russian Orthodox Church, they start, their father started teaching them around 9 or 10 years old how to read. But we want to teach our children at 3 and 4 so that we can say oh, that we're giving them a chance. But it's up to you, you don't have to believe, it's up, you want to believe, you can, you don't, you don't. But the thing is that it's a well-known fact that in the Orthodox Church, when you read the lives of saints, you see that formal education did not begin until a later age. And those of you who have got children or are going to have children, you have to think about this, don't take my word, you can read other sources, you can look at research, but you'll find that there is a lot out there now that will make someone to think twice before exposing their children to that. Children at that age want their mothers, children at that age want to be nurtured, they want to be held, they want their mother's love, they want their mother's affection, they want just to play, Not three or four years old, learning the capitals of all different countries and all these other boring things which they can learn when they, when they get older. What do they have to learn now? Now, I've been involved, as I said, both in the school, but I've also been involved with in homeschooling. And I've noticed with my years with children that... I used to say to the parents, start, the ones who are been to homeschool, start teaching your child to read and write at around seven and if they're still you don't feel that they're ready even eight those who started like that later on they pretty much click into it because their hands coordinated a lot of times a lot of times the children's hand that they can't write and then they have all these problems and you've got to go take them to remedials and things like that the children who started early they have they tend to have problems the children started older they don't have problems so it's better at an older age. Now here we have the lesson of the pagan, unfortunately, who sent their children, I've seen this as I said in other things as well, around seven eight years old. So he, under the guidance of the magicians he studied, because there was sorcerers there in, in, the, in the temple, he learned all the mysteries of idolatry, sorcery, astrology, black magic and demonic wisdom. What does that remind you of, that part? So he went to the temple in Athens where he learned under the guidance of the magicians, he learnt all these things like sorcery, astrology, black magic. And this was written, as we know, this is a, an, an ancient life, 1800 years ago. What do we know in contemporary times? Something similar to that. Who knows? The special school, Hogwarts, whatever it's called. I don't even know it, but I think it's a, is that what it's called. So there we see Harry Potter. Also, he went to magicians there, the man with the long beard, which. In a way, it looks like a, a priest to some extent, and and you can see there the the imitation that you know trying to replicate Christ that he had a special birth that all these people were after him just like Herod was after Christ and all these um uh, what's the what's who's the one after Potter um Baltimore whatever it's called and all these people that are after this 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 fantastic boy etc. So. There's a, there's a. Now whether this woman who wrote the Harry Potter's book, but you know, it's funny that she, she does say, as you know, read in the pamphlet, that one third of her material is from actual books about sorcery, Satanism, etc. About one third. Some of it's made up, uh, but a lot of it's not made up, and a lot of it is true, as we'll see. You know, Harry Potter can um, fly, but that happens now. And you say, oh, does it? Well. Well, we'll come to that. You remind me. So, St. Cyprian, who then was a pagan and possessed, he actually uh, went there and studied all those things. To prepare for a sorceress career, he was sent by his parents at the age of 10 to Mount Olympus, to another place now. So after Athens, at the, um, what do you call that place there, the Acropolis, he now is, goes to Mount Olympus and there he goes there for other things. This place was famous amongst the pagans because they believed the gods dwelled there but the Christians knew that behind the multitude of idols were the demons. You know, there's a lot of these idols used to speak and Christians always knew that contained in the idol was a demon. But people who don't know about Christianity actually believe that the idols speaking, Or when they go to a medium when they hear the person who's supposedly communicating with your father your mother your brothers we said last last month and they change their voice and then they pretend that i'm your father and i'm this that people believe that the medium is channeling the spirit of whoever you you, whoever you want to speak to your father and as i said your uh, relatives and this comes from ignorance but if people know their orthodox faith and people read the lives of saints and people practice orthodox um um spirituality they'll see that that's wrong in this place he saw legions of demons so in this place he actually himself saw demons and by the way the as you read i think in uh, the, the new pamphlet today in africa they also the a lot of these magicians over there these ones that witch doctors as they call Uh, they actually actually see demons. And and other parts of the world actually communicate and see demons. So this is not just our many, many years ago little story. Some stood before him, others served him, till others cried out in praise of their prince, and some were sent into the world in order to corrupt people. Now that is an orthodox teaching, that the demons are sent, that the devil sends his demons out to corrupt as many people as they can, especially Orthodox Christians because they are practicing spiritual life which he does not like. And if you read Orthodox literature you'll see that uh, from the Holy Fathers that uh, once I think it was when Holy Desert Father saw the demon going, going somewhere and he said to him where are you going? And he says I'm going to the monk that lives over there and he goes we would we meaning the demons we would leave a hundred lay people we wouldn't even waste our time with them our main thing is to make them fall into sin the main their main hate are the orthodox priests the monastics orthodox monks and nuns that burns them and as i said lay people They'll, they'll, they will do their job, but not like they do monastics. But yeah, you know, some people say oh, monastics are bludgers, freaks, uh, failures. They didn't make it in the world, and they lead an easy life. Well, put on, put on the black. Go to a monastery, and um, I'm sure that you'll be able to do better than that Russian woman that was that won the silver at the Olympics, um, Tatiana, whatever her name was, but she pole vaulted very high. I'm sure that you jump out of the monastery uh, without even one one of those poles. Once a person said, I'm going to become a monk. And they used to say, I feel like I'm really good at it because I can pray at home and I do a lot of prayers and frustrations. So they went to the monastery. And as soon as they went into the monastery, they couldn't even do their cross. They couldn't even do up prostration. They couldn't even do one on the ground. And he was amazed this because they said, "Well, why at home I could do it? But I can't do it in the monastery because at home it's out of pride. But in the monastery it's out of obedience. Plus the demons are scared that you may become a monk or a nun. And that's where the where the, um, the fight's on. But people don't understand that. And they, we are very cl- we are very quick to judge uh, monastics, etc., if they fall into sins or if they make mistakes, or you see them like crazy sometimes. But we don't know that, as the Holy fathers say, the monastic has on his back, and the priests, obviously, a uh, hundred demons. Well, the lay person might have one, if that at all. Because a lot of times their lives are not proper, so therefore, why should they be fought? If they're fought, that that might awaken them to run to church if the demon sees that the person in the world is not worrying about his spiritual life doesn't care about praying doesn't worry about anything he's not going to fight them because he's scared that that might make them have zeal and start running towards the church here he likewise saw that the pagan gods and goddesses were in actual fact the demons themselves so saint Cyprian himself noticed that behind the idols were the demons Then you might say, well, wasn't he scared? Aren't they scared? These people aren't scared. They want power. And they believe that these demons will give them power, richness, glory. That's what they want. And remember that the demons to these people in the beginning, he doesn't show his true hate that he has for them. He actually pretends that he's their friend, he's going to give them things. It's only after a while, especially if they try to escape, if they try and leave that life, that's when they become pulverized and really as you as we go on. So in a strict 40-day fast, that's interesting. So because some people say I do 40-day fasts, but say so, Gipprian did 40-day fast as well. The Hindus do 40-day fasts, and the Muslims fast as well. So fasting in itself. Does not mean that we are holy, because a lot of people are confused with that, and they go, "I am Orthodox because I fast." That's good that you fast. However, it's not all. Remember that when the when a saint asked the demons, "What are you scared of? Are you scared of fasting?" He goes, "No, we fast ourselves. We don't even eat. Are you scared of ascetical deeds? He says, "No." What burns you? What bothers you? What really, really goes? what burns us is humility what burns us is obedience what burns us is communion when it's done when when someone has had holy communion with a pure conscience that burns us that bothers us but if a person's proud he can commune as much as he wants he can fast as much as he wants he can do as many prostrations as he wants if there's no humility then they sit back cross-legged and say, he's ours. So he's not, they're not going to bother. So here we see that fasting of its own is not enough. So he, St. Ciprian, who was then a pagan, as we said, he, he only ate only after the setting of the sun and not bread or anything else, but only acorns from oak trees. He learned how to invoke, call on the evil spirits to serve him. So he did the fast because he was commanded to do that by the demons to give him more authority to give them more to, to so he can become closer with the demons so now we come to what he was able to do from all this from going to the acropolis in athens from going to mount olympus i don't really know where, where, where that is but anyway he was there as well and he learned all these things and he fasted let's see what he was able to do on this mountain ciprian started all man of diabolical arts he mastered various demonic transformations Learned how to ch- So, demonic transformations. Do you know what that means? Demonic transformations means that he was able to change into whatever he wanted. Into a woman, into an animal, into whatever he wanted. And those people who have watched those silly movies on those um, um, Harry Potter, top of things in there where it's all a joke, and we think, oh, it's just fantasy. And it's good to promote fantasy for our children to have an active fantasy. That's really sad because the biggest cause today of mental illness is fantasy. And the Holy Fathers of the Church, their whole aim, their whole, the whole thing of asceticism in the Orthodox Church is to rid our minds of fantasy. But yet we say, no, we want our children to learn, to, to learn fantasy. There's nothing wrong with it, and this is from me. I mean, this is when something's from me. I'll tell you. If something's from the first, I'll tell you. From my a little bit of reading, from a little bit of experience with people, and I think trying to try to put things together. I might not put it together correctly. But it's up to you if you want to believe it. Um, I think the biggest cause of schizophrenia today is the fantasy. There are a lot of people that are suffering from schizophrenia. And it, uh, there are some that comes from biological, that something's wrong with the brain. But there's others, it comes from a very active fantasy. And those films, whether it's Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, or whether it's, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, whatever he's called, and all these other movies I can't remember more, um, Lord of the Rings and all these things to the fantasy, but those things about Transylvania and um, uh, vampires and um, things flying in the air and bats and bats wings and what else they talk about? They talk about um, the people drinking blood and all that. You know that, and in Transylvania, which I think is in Romania, which is an Orthodox country, a lot of that's true, believe it or not. Even though they make a bit, they overdo it and they've got the cross and you've got to stab the person's heart and other things like that. And it's true that the the cross is like a stab in the heart, but the Orthodox Christian doesn't go around and stab people in the heart with a stake made out of a cross, or shaped in a cross. The Orthodox Christians do their cross, believe in the cross, commune, etc., and that is like they are being stabbed. But sacrifices and these drinkings of blood and all these type of things, unfortunately, it's really, really sad and painful to say it exists. And another pamphlet I'll give you next week in Africa, where this black magic is practiced quite a lot, they find—it's I mean, very difficult to um, relate it now because of you know the young, younger ones. But the thing is that over there, they they find corpses with m- missing hearts and things like that, and you know, and blood drained out, and all these types of things. And you know, we think ah, oh, vampires and big teeth and all that type of stuff. And, you know that a lot of these satanists actually—that's part of their ritual as well is to drink that anyway I can't go into too much detail because of the um, thing Uh, so he mastered various demonic transformations, sorry those things about Africa what I'm saying is happening now not 100 years ago 200 years now Africa is one of the worst continents on the earth for that type of thing, that whole country is riddled right through with that type of thing Witch, doctor, I mean, witch doctors and, and white magic and black magic and all these type of things which we'll go into more detail later on, that is all there. And in Greece, unfortunately, they've, they've lost the plot over there uh, quite a while ago, and they're into it as well. And here, psychics, I mean, A lot of these, some, some of these people are, well, are, um, most of them are uh, quacks. And they're not really uh, true. However, some of them are true. And even if someone is false and is only and is only just um, making up and pretends that he can read, uh, he knows the future or these things, doesn't matter. As soon as an Orthodox Christian goes there, the the the, the canons of the church has have, have said that that person, it's like they have denied Christ. As soon as a person enters those doors, whether it's just for a coffee or whether it's just to read, um, yeah, sorry, to have your coffee read, or whether it's to supposedly communicate, or because you're sick, or your child's sick, and you're going to get a uh, protecting, sort of, I feel like as they say in Greek, amulet, to protect you, like they do in Africa, they wear with bones, they wear this, they wear with that. The same thing now. Well, a lot of times what you have, you don't even know. People say, oh, I went and got this from a, a woman. There was one around here. Um, Lebanese woman, actually, and she used to give, I think, well, what, what was in there? A lot of times it's that type of stuff, and that will protect you for 10,000. Um, so, he learned how to change the nature of air. In other words, St. Cyprian was able to bring up winds, produce thunder and rain, disturb the waves of the sea, caused damage to gardens, vineyards and fields, to send diseases and plagues from, up, upon people and in general he learned a ruinous wisdom, diabolical activity, filled with evil. Did you, did that people comprehend? I'm going to stop in a few minutes I want people to give me, give me reactions. He was able to bring up winds. He was able to produce thunder and rain, disturb the waves of the sea, change damage, caused damage to gardens, vineyards and fields, to send diseases and plagues upon people, and in general you learn this whole diabolical activity that was evil. Stop there. I want you people now to comment. Even if you say to me, I don't believe it, that's okay. If that's what you want to say, you can say it. Maybe you should go for a trip to Africa. It's happening here anyway. But let's uh, stop, and I want to hear people's comments, questions, I think it breaks a little bit the, uh, I think it makes it more interesting. Yes? I think um, that it shows like how he got a lot of power and increasingly the the powers that you listed later on, they were more and more evil. The more he did evil, the more he gave him power. And one of the one of the rituals, which is the most that the demons want their people to do is to uh, kill infants, right? That's one of the one which is the one. So the more they do evil. And of course, they also partake in orgies and all these things homosexuality sexuality within their Satanic rituals and all that—that's they're well into that. All those things is what the demons want them to do. The more they do that, the more he gives them power. Like the Beatles, I'm not going to say—I'm not going to go up and say it too much. I'm going to say one thing: they themselves say. It. When they tried to play as music musicians, when they were in Germany at first, they weren't very popular. Then they got mixed up in drugs and sex, etc., etc., and then they actually had that energy, that thing, which made them more attractive. Now, I want people to say me, oh, does that mean that they're possessed? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what happened? I'm not going to go into whether they're not a possession barometer. Whether they are, whether they're not, it doesn't interest me. I'm just telling you that a lot of people, the more, and all of us, the more we partake in evil, the more that we do sins, the more that we become closer and closer to the demons. The more we do good, The more we do God's commandments, the more we are in the church, partake of the ministry, the more we come joined with Christ. So that's what you're saying there is is correct. Um, I think you'll see it maybe later on, or maybe one of them, I can't remember. But that is true, that infant sacrifice and things like that is one of their highlights. And that's why a lot of times we do hear that there have been kidnapped infants of course that could be because they're selling them you know the um all those trafficking of people over to overseas for purposes which are really un- un- but also it's for that reason was that, was that your question sorry i think you want to something yeah. else yeah, something like one more question before we go on That you could do things that seem kind of like logical to people, like you uh, could sort of control nature. So I can't believe it. You control nature in the sense of like. Well, people do find that, I think people yeah. do find that to be um, way out. And even though it's all made fun of in the Harry Potter type of things and other movies and shows, and people want to believe that it's a joke and so now, unfortunately. Uh, it can it, it does happen and the more we read and the more we read the lives of saints and we we actually come into the church more that's nothing for them and that's only if God permits and what does God permit because people want that and they say we don't want you we want him. basically in a way whether directly or indirectly we want him so when he was fifteen years old, he travelled to various places in order to learn from famous sorcerers many demonic secrets. So it wasn't enough. He wanted more. At the age of 20, Kyprian came to Egypt where he learned yet he greater charms and incantations. Remember in those movies that some of you watch, that you know that that Potter person has got classes on incantations. They mentioned very you know, interesting that he actually they actually mentioned incantations and spells and all these type of things, which is true. charm or thing, it's what like we say, the person uh, in Greek, they say the person's done may on someone, and the person who has uh, cast a spell, or these type of things, you might say, oh, it's just becoming too much to believe. And I'm not really one, because I don't, I mean, look, this is because the topic's like this. I don't discuss these matters continually. I know that there's some priests who go on and on and on, and they think every single thing is that. That's not my belief, and that's why I hardly speak about it. In the other talks that I give, I didn't speak much about it. I don't want to have an emphasis just on that. But it's something which needs to be covered, and I am covering it now. So I'm going to concentrate on it. But it doesn't mean that I want you people to go away and think that every single thing that happens to you is that. But that's, that becomes like a fanatical thing. You know, I meet a lot of people, women, and, and like, a lot of Greek women in particular, they're, they're, they think that everything's magic. Everything. A sore stomach, a sore back, you know the wind blew their clothes down that's magic and, and it's all these type of um uh things which becomes a bit too much when it is you know which we'll have we'll read some examples in a minute so he he's in his 30th year he went to the uh, chaldeans and having learned astrology there he finished his studies after this he returned to antioch being perfect in all evil doing. Thus he became a sorcerer, magician, and destroyer of souls, a great friend and faithful slave of the Prince of Hell, with whom he conversed face to face, being granted to receive from him great honour. So he became one of the devil's favourites, who he saw. And as you'll see soon, that he was um, feared by all. Because of this, anyone who out of hatred wanted to do evil to his fellow man had recourse to him and was not disappointed. Now, this is important. A lot of people go to magicians for different reasons. Some go because they want to do evil to someone. Some go because they want to do... uh, They believe someone's done it to them. And they're supposedly the white magicians. The white magicians are the ones who supposedly undo the evil that the black ones have done, but the church teaches: black, white, blue, pink, doesn't matter what you are, it's still demonic. Yes. In the past nine months, <coughs> I've had, my dad was asked by me about six times. Mm-hmm. And someone goes to me, goes, like, "Someone's put the evil oil." How much do they want? Nothing. They don't want anything yet. They get it. Oh, we'll come to that. And We're going to come to that. Uh, maybe not today, but that will be... I want to speak about the evil eye, what you do, whether it's true, whether it's not, etc. Um, these people that you go to, they always um, even say to you on the first session, um, I don't want any money. And, and they, then, they, then they make up, a lot of times it's made up, they say, oh, your uncle did it or so-and-so did it, and this and that. And because the person's really desperate and, and not, they're not well, etc., they actually believe it and they go back and they go, I want you to undo it. And then starts the next procedure, which is, I can give you something, this thing and I can undo it and it's going to cost you, you know, 2000 and it goes free for, you know, I, I've read accounts and I've known people that have given, like, they've sold their houses. And um, actually, it's on current affairs now and all that. There's a big thing about those as being shams. So whether it's white or whether it's a black magic, it's still demonic. And they've got a trick. Some of them even use icons. When you go to them, they actually have icons and crosses in their rooms so that the people that go, especially the Christians, won't think that it's evil. Because we're ignorant we go off oh, because that person's got an icon. That means that their Christian must be good. And this comes from ignorance because these people aren't—they're just using it as a way to trick you. Actually, I think I might give that example, what I was, what I prepared for you people—a uh, contemporary example. I think that uh, okay. This is a this is a good one. This is a famous one. It's written in a book. By Archimandrite Haralambos Vasilopoulos, a uh, priest monk that was in Athens, he wrote uh, a whole series of lives of saints. He wrote on this topic as well. He actually said that even before he became a priest, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, he admits himself that he didn't even believe in magic himself. Then he became a priest. It was only when he became a priest that suddenly he realised that all these people had problems, and he had to and he had to get involved with it. He actually said that. He didn't even believe in it. And that's true. There are some priests who don't believe in it. Orthodox priests. And they go, ah, oh, it's your imagination. And there's others who believe, as I said, that it's everything and everyone. So you've got to be very careful on the one extreme, which is it doesn't exist. It's all a joke and it's all or it's psychological. Or the other extreme, which is that every single thing that happens is from that. Whether today or maybe next next time, I and I am going to purchase. Did uh, I bring that with me? I didn't bring it with me. But I am. I'm going to order from overseas, and no, I didn't bring it. An excellent book in English, a nice book, which I am going to uh, give to you people. All about this topic, and it talks about all those things in there. But I will be reading from that book, and uh, maybe next time a little bit on all these things. But let's look at first this example. So it says, there was a young football soccer player, 29 years of age, who lived in Athens. And he became so sick that he was ready to die. And he was suffering from magic. What had happened? He had asked to marry a modest and very good girl, a Christian girl, And someone else, for some reason, became jealous. The Jealousy is a very big factor. There are a lot of people that are jealous today. Uh, It's very bad passion within the Orthodox Church. I mean, people more worry about um, uh, Catholics and heretics and homosexuals and this and that and that and that. But, you know, we don't... That's all good, you know, that we have to be careful of all those things. And that's ecumenism and that person's doing this, and that person's doing that. And we think that we are safe. But a lot of times we, who are worried about all those other things, are being taken over by jealousy. And it's a very horrible passion. It's a passion, and it's horrible. And people, on that evil eye, uh, the evil eye is, is jealousy. A person sees someone, and from the depths of their soul, which is not very nice, they just say, oh, you know, kind of wish the person bad out of jealousy. And a lot of times those things can can happen. And then we've got these women, a lot in Greece and here, who supposedly they undo these things. And they put oil and water and they do all these stupidities. And supposedly they'll tell you, yes, you are. You've got the evil eye. You haven't got the evil eye. And they do prayers. And they even say, they even use the cross. And they even say prayers, Mother of God and things like that. And supposedly they are taking the evil eye off you. However, this is wrong and dangerous. Because even if you say, Oh, but I got better. So I went to Greece, I've been to Greece a number of times in the village. And there was people that used to do those type of things. And they used to say, um, um, oh, you've been you know, relatives a bit don't know much about the church. So I yawned. They go, oh, you've got the evil eye. You've got to go down the street to that woman, and she does this, this, and does this, and that. And this comes from real ignorance. And people go to these people, they go to these women or whatever who can undo the supposed evil eye, and the person gets better. They might have a sore stomach, they might have a sore head, they might get out of it, and they go, and they do get better. And some of them do get better, but they're not really getting better. The demons, if it is a demonic type of thing, if it is really the evil eye, the demons have the ability to come off the person for a short while so that you and others can believe that that person does have power. That's what they want. They want you to believe that and not to go to the priest. That's the main thing. Do not go to the priest. But in the Orthodox Church, there is, it's in the inside the church, in the book, towards the back of my book anyway, there is a prayer of the evil eye. If, for example, that has happened, and I'm not saying that it happens all the time, but it can happen, you go to a priest. Well, first you can drink holy water, you can put holy oil on you. You don't have to go to, you know, Madame Fifi down the street to do the cross on you. You just do the cross yourself. You don't need her to do the cross on you. And then if it still bothers you, you can go to the priest and be read, and usually that's it. But as soon as you go to those people or to someone else, you are selling your soul to the devil. And that is like an apostasy. Well, it is an apostasy of of your of your belief in Christ. And that's how dangerous it is. And these people are. You know, working together. Unfortunately, some of them don't know it. With the demons, to make people go away from the church. Now, I'll read the prayer. Maybe next week or the week, or sorry, next month or the month after, I will read that prayer. I'm not read it in the church. I'll just read through it to see what it says, to see how the Orthodox Church thinks of that. So, but this person here, he didn't have an evil eye. This person was actually had. He was actually had. Someone had done magic on him. So he wanted to marry a certain girl. Someone became uh, envious and they went to a magician and they wanted him to basically die. And you know that they do use dolls and they do use pins. You know, some of you think, oh, you know, on Gilligan's Island there was the witch doctors and they used to, you know, some of you, a bit young, you don't know it, but those who are a bit older, and it was all a joke, and, you know, make, all they used to make jokes about which doctors and pins and sticking in people's heads and things like that, all that. And for some things, it is a joke, uh, but, you know, the ones who really can do it, can do it. And, um, there are a lot of countries where, as I said, these things do occur, and a lot of people get sick, and as you'll read from the material that I'll give you, uh, many have died. Many have them. Many have died from this, and that's what is scared So that's why they always run to others. They always run to the other ones and say, "Protect me! Protect me!" And then they have a fight. One magician with another magician, and it's one who's fighting the other to see who's the strongest. One does it. The other one does it. The other one does it. The other one does it. And it keeps on going back and forth like that. And that, as I said, is in the literature that I'll give you next time in, in, the, in, in the Congo. That happens a lot. This boy or this young man, 29 years old, the reason why he had this, had this thing happen to him is because he wasn't going to church. He wasn't partaking in the missions of the church. He was basically a, a dead orthodox person, you know, like most of the people are today. He began to dislike his work. He didn't want to work anymore, he just closed his shop because he had a shop. He didn't have a desire to see his relatives or friends. And in the end, he was suffering really bad headaches and also he was contemplating suicide. So they are just some of the characteristics that suddenly happened to him. You know, you don't just suddenly become like that. For two months, his parents took him to doctors, but they couldn't do anything because science cannot help in these cases. Now, in that book I'm going to be giving you people soon, as soon as I get it, it says in there that uh, and a lot of these people that have been influenced by these things, they go to doctors, doctors can't find anything. Now, some doctors will say, it's psychological and uh, some doctors say, I don't know what's wrong, we cannot find what's wrong. Now, the problem here is that sometimes the person is mentally ill, so it's not for magic, and sometimes it is for magic. And this is where in Greece, where unfortunately here in Australia it's pretty bad, here when these things happen we run to the psychiatrist to the doctors only. But in Greece the practice in the church is that when someone's got problems you've got to go to a pious psychiatrist and to a priest and the two of them kind of work together try and work out whether the person is suffering from a psychological problem or from a demonic problem. And unfortunately, as I said in Australia, that doesn't occur much. And a lot of the clergy say, I'll just go to the psychiatrist, i just go to the doctor. So this is a problem. And I know for a fact that in Greece, because I had... um. Um, a a friend that I had met over there years ago that she actually was really, really ill and her psychiatrist was also an Orthodox priest. Now, wouldn't it have been fantastic if we had here in Australia an Orthodox priest, a pious Orthodox priest to also be a psychiatrist and that way he would be in a better position to sometimes get through the model of what things are some people have gone to some people to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says oh you're mentally to heal and they start feeding the person with medication and that person becomes worse when it may not be a psychological problem it might be the other business so in this case this person in this example he had that done so for two months his parents took him everywhere they couldn't do it the doctors couldn't do anything in her despair, his mother had recourse to a medium, and this is what happens: A lot of the Christians, instead of running to the church, they first run to someone, because they think, oh, someone's done it, so I've got to now go to someone else who undo it. This is where the problem begins. That woman, for example, this mother, All she wanted, let's say, is just for her son to get better. A 29-year-old young man that had everything going for him and all of a sudden he became so sick and she went there. It doesn't matter that she didn't go for bad reasons. It doesn't matter that she was desperate. The teaching of the church, and what I want to stress tonight, is that as soon as you pass through those doors, you are open, you are joining with the demonic powers, and then it takes a lot of work to be rid of that. In other words, if someone's done something to you, and you go to the priest and you know you commune, you confess, or oh, you commune and that the prayers are read, usually goes away. When you've gone to those places, those people have to do a thousand times more work than the other person who didn't go. Because Christ is saying, you didn't want me, you went to them, you can have them. And therefore we have to now struggle and struggle to prove to God that we are sorry and we have to produce fruits of repentance it's not enough just to say sorry so I know as I've said to you before from my little experience I have noticed that people ring up and they might say to me um my son has got this problem this problem this problem as I've said before and then they said, um, then all of a sudden he became worse, just became really, really bad. Won't come out of his room or does this or does that, whatever. And I say, did you go to a place to try and undo that problem? And they're quiet. Sometimes they lie, which I can tell. But I say, no, you tell me, have you gone? They go, yes. I go, that's what made him worse. I said, if you went to the church in the first place, it would have been undone quicker. So the, the, the magician said to her that her son, as is typical, was suffering as a result of magic, and named the person responsible. Here I have to stress that other times they don't even know. As I said, they don't even know, one, who did it, and number two, they don't even know if anyone did it. Because it might not be. In this case, someone did it. Who did it? They, don't, they usually don't know. Um, that's why in the, in the pamphlet you read about in Africa, When when a child dies, for example, and then the Africans believe there that it was done by someone, then they go to another magician and they want that other magician to tell them who did it, and then they will then do magic on that person so they can die. And this goes on continually over there. And this happens as well in in Western society. But in general, when you go to these places, whether it's, whether it's been done to you or not. Like, for example, someone might say, um, oh, my daughter's got a headache. Continue you got a headache. Oh, someone's done something to her. So you go to, as I said, to five feet down the street, and then you go to her, and straight away, 100%, you go, you've got magic done on you. Someone's done magic on you. And after that, comes the next stage, which is the money. If they don't do it the first time, they'll do it. It has to come. When I first became a priest, a woman said to me, she confessed that she went to some place because her husband wasn't a very good husband. Adulteries and, you know, used to hit her and beat her and things like that, so she went to one of them. And um, I said to her that you have to, uh, you confess but you have to get rid of that stuff, because I've, you know, the lady gave me a little thing, a little philactose, like saved like as a protector, lucky charm, or whatever you want to call it. And it's, and it's on my husband, and he's really good now. And I said, no, you've got to get rid of it. I said, I will not read you the prayer unless you get rid of that. There's no forgiveness unless you get rid of that. So she got rid of it. And I said, okay, are you sorry? Yes, this and this. Anyway, a few months later, she came to me and she goes, Oh, what have you done? My husband doesn't listen to me anymore. He doesn't listen, not obedient to me, and he's become like before, and I'm going to go and get that thing again. That's your that's your sin. You do that, you're opening yourself up, and you're jeopardizing your own salvation. So, people can say, Oh, that's a joke. Listen now, In that book which I'm going to get you, it actually has a lot of examples of um, people using those type of things for those purposes. There was another good example which I read, which I liked. Uh, it was um, a man was going on, on a holiday and he was concerned that his wife might commit adultery with people. Obviously um, didn't have much trust in her. So he had something done on her. And, um, while he was away all that time, nothing happened. I don't want you to, it's not meant to be a joke of what I'm going to say next. When he came back, the demon said to him, Um, do you know what I went through with her to keep her from falling? It was very much, it was a lot, a lot of work. Can you, it's not a joke, right? You know, but it's a way to understand the matter. Can you not go on holidays again? Because it was just too much. Meaning that people use it for those purposes. For that, people use it to uh, get married with someone when they want, as we've seen here in this case, in this in this life. And people use it for a lot of reasons. And it works. A lot of times it works. But but the thing is, and sometimes even people get better, physically as I said. You know, you get better. However, my experience, and I tell you this, this I've seen so many times, was how I went to someone and I had all these problems and now I'm better. Come back in a few months. Or... Even if they, even if, if, if that does happen, I say to them, they they come to me and they go, I'm really really bad, I'm I'm going crazy, I'm this and that. They said I went to the magician, I got better, and then a few months later, it just became worse. Now I'm worse than before. So don't be fooled when you see on TV or when you hear from people from the old grandmamas and other people that sit around. Having their coffees and say, and that person got better, and that person got better. Yes, they may get better. Temporarily. Or they say, Oh, that person went and now her son went to university. Or that person went and their business is going well. It's another example in that, in that, in that, in that pamphlet. And that went well, and that goes well, and that goes well, and that goes well. St. John Chrysostom says, the big one of our biggest saints in the in the Orthodox Church, biggest saints in the Orthodox Church, said I would rather die than to go to them to get better. If, if I'm on the verge of dying and someone says to me, you go to them and you will get better, he says, I'd rather die. And that's the attitude we should have. We, even if our children, if something's happening to our children and someone says, the child's got that, he's going to die, he's going to die, and you go, oh, what's going to happen? You, you will go to the church you'll pray, you will holy water, you do whatever you can in within the church and say I'd rather for my child to die than to go there. Because once you do that, you tie your soul to to, to the demons and your child as well. So that is really important. And this is where we got to, we say oh we believe in the resurrection of the dead and we believe in the life to come and we say the creed and we sing there. A lot of us do bows. 90 degree bows and we bow down during the creed and we say, you know, I believe in the age to come and all these type of things and the resurrection of the dead. Why why are we doing our cross? Why are we doing that when in church we supposedly believe but yet in our everyday life we don't believe? Because why are we going to those places then if we supposedly believe? So what? I I don't mean to be cruel and harsh but if the child dies, let's just say if the child, I mean, to don't take it as being hard, but if the child dies, then at least that child will be saved. And what's the purpose of life anyway? It oh, but it did, didn't grow up to become a solicitor and to get married and to have a big house and then lose it due to the interest rates, etc., etc. What's the point? What's the point in all that? The main thing is that the child is saved. We are saved whether we die at 10 years old, 5 years old, at birth, 50, 80, 100 or whatever age we get to. The purpose of life is salvation. If you have that in mind then we don't care. So Sir John Chrysostom obviously had that in mind and he said, I'd rather die than to, than to um, go to them. So for... Anyway, so this particular um, uh, sorcerer named the person responsible, whether it's correct or not. I mean, it could be right, it could be wrong. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes they do it just to make people fight. And told her where in the yard certain items were buried, which later on they found when digging. So, that's a well-known fact, anyway, that they bury things like that. But, because the evil had progressed so much, the magician said he's that he would not be able to help them. Now, I've had... Personal experience with that, whereby there was um, a young man of around 23, 24 that came to church, started going to church, and he had a friend, a little bit older, but a person that was pious, was was practicing church, was, you know, communing often, etc. The mother of that young man could not take the fact that her son began going to church because he was praying too much going to church too much and in her mind he has to study so she went off to those people and the the boy the the young man that was helping her son he did become sick Now, now I'm saying to you I mean I don't like making stories up I like to say things that I know As for for a fact that I believe, and things as well that I've seen. And this boy did become sick. He was out on the bed. Just listen to the story. So he was there and he was out badly. And um, someone, because he couldn't do anything, he couldn't do his cross, someone was there and had a cross, a wooden cross, and did the cross. This person started leaping up and down on the Bed because of the, of the cross. And you might say, oh, does that mean he's possessed? Not necessarily means anyone, Just because, you know, St. Saint, Saint Justine, as we see later on, she also fell under the influence even though she was holy. The demons can influence, but they can't, as we say in Greek, they can't accomplish what they want. They want you to die or they want you to um, leave that person. That mother, she wanted that person to break away from her son because her son was becoming more religious. And that person went to a priest, was read, went away. So, mummy dearest went back to the sorcerer, or sorceress, whatever she went to, and this I know, because the cousin of the, uh, of the young man admitted it. She went back to the sorcerer and said, you know, I, I came to you, I paid you money, why is my son still going to church? And, and, the, and this person says, leave it. Leave it alone. Because you see what happens is these people, they do what they do. And when they do it on a person that's not at church, that's okay, it goes on them. But when they do it on a person that goes to church, a person who actually is a strong Orthodox Christian and can use confesses and prays, what happens is it, 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 they do it, on the person, and it flies back onto them. And as it says in that Archimandrite uh, Haralambous's book on does magic exist, he talks about a, a magician who was frying some food, and then you know at the time that he had just done some spells on someone, and the oil <coughs> threw back on his face. Now, this particular woman, who this mother um, had gone to, a woman or man, she said, uh, let's just say the woman, she said. Um, Keep away, just leave it alone. I suffered a lot because of, of, of you to the mother. I'm not doing anything else on that on that person, on your son, nothing, because the person that he is with is, is too much in the church, and I can't do nothing because he's with God. I can't do anything. Nothing happened to the boy. Nothing happened to the one that was um he became friends with. But the mother also became very sick. So, not only did the, did, did the um, sorcerer or whatever, sorceress, whatever she's she got really scared and got and um, soiled her underwear, the, the, the mother became sick and later on she admitted to the son, I suffered so much with, with, with what I did of that because she later on repented about it. So, and I was involved in all that. So, I'm not going to say to you um, myths and stories. So. So, this, so this particular medium said, I can't do anything. Two months passed since the young man had begun to suffer, during which interval he had not slept at all. Insomnia. Not, not all insomnia is from that. So we have got to be careful not to become fanatical. Some people suffer from insomnia because of anxiety. They're just doing too much. Some people suffer from insomnia because they're taking some medications for their kidneys or whatever that could keep them awake. There's a lot of reasons for insomnia. You don't run straight away and say, oh, that person can't sleep. In this case, because it was, he had a dentum, he had the insomnia. That's one of, that could be a sign. For the last 15 days, he could not even eat. That's another sign. That's why they say the person's melting away like wax. The person becomes really skin and bones, they're just not eating, they just don't want to live. Sounds like a it sounds like a chronically depressed person, but this is even more. But some depressed people could be because of that as well. Because remember, heavy metal, people that go to heavy metal bands and this and that, well, you know, what are they picking up when they're going there? I mean, if someone's singing on the stage, blasphemies against Christ and God and the Trinity, etc., etc., and they're saying that Satan's their father and this is happening there, and you're there. Like when you go to a church. As soon as you walk into a church, you feel the grace. Not everyone, but most people. Some people burn, actually. That's a sign that there's something wrong. But other people, they go into the church and they actually say, I feel the grace. I was speaking once to a to a Catholic person who I was buying some tiles from. He was married to a Catholic, but he was Catholic. And he said to me, I've been to the Orthodox Church a few times. I went for a wedding somewhere. I said, okay. He was Lebanese Catholic, but his wife was Lebanese Orthodox. I go, can, you, can I ask you the difference between the two? What did you feel in the Catholic Church compared to the Orthodox Church? He says, I know, it was in the Orthodox Church. I thought there was something present. There was something there. Did you feel that in the Catholic Church? He says, no. That's very interesting. So, in the Church, where God is worshipped, is the Holy Spirit. And in the satanic places where the demons are worshipped is a satanic spirit. So just like when someone goes to the church and they they walk off uh, touched, they walk off... The the grace has has, has influenced them, has, has helped them. It's the same when they go to those places. The satanic spirit also influences them. People might say, Oh, that's not true. That doesn't matter. I'm saying it. It's up to you what you want to do. You're free. People you want to go to those concerts; they can go. On Saturday, the sixteenth of July, he had arrived at death's door. He began to have no feeling. His face became livid. In other words, his face became black, and like black, black and blue, like really dark. Um, all his um, family started to cry and wail, uh, and finally, his widowed mother. Fainted when she found out that he was that she was losing her child. He was 29, but it was her son. So that's the stage that this. This is a very famous um, story because it's in that. As I said, it's in the, it's in his book. In this desperate situation, at the initiative of someone, they now uh, they they knew the young man was taken to the monastery of Saint Istina, which is in Athens. This, this this happened in 1966. At the um, then suddenly there. The the, the the car arrived with the families and friends of this boy they're all crying and lamenting as I said and they um, they told the priest about what happened, the priest felt sorry this and that and said let's um, read the exorcism prayers uh, and that's when it all started to begin, the struggle because once you start reading those prayers I personally don't read them, I used to read them years ago I don't do them because that's better for people that are holy, people that are you know, especially in quiet monasteries, people who are able to fast more, pray more. It's a bit, That's not really, that's very difficult in the city. Um, this type comes out by prayer and fasting. And as I said to you last week or the week before, even some of the saints, St. Saint John of Cronstein and some others, they did not do exorcism prayers. Some saints did them. You all know that have been to services of a baptism... There's the exorcism prayers where the priest does the exorcism so the demons can come out of the heart of the person ready to be baptized. And in the olden days, I read that it's actually interesting that they used to um, have specific people that used to do those prayers, people that were really, really holy, and they used to read the prayers not just once, sometimes twice, three times, because they tried to really feel the prayer, because it's very, very important, That now, when baptisms are done and the priest is done very quick and this and that, you know, that's not really good. But I'm just trying to say to you that how it was in ancient times. So the same thing in exorcisms generally, there are certain priests who have that gift uh, to do that. Now, when you attempt to do those prayers, when you're not really appropriate, then what happens is that the the person, the priest. Uh, uh, gets smashed. Basically, they get very sick. If they're married priests, they fall on their family. If they're a monastic and you know, and they're not, but not, but not, you know, like in a strong upon monastery, then they um, falls on the monks. It's just really, really, very difficult. So, in general, those prayers, even though all priests can read them, uh, there are some who have got that special grace to be able to do them. And but you could do other things like holy water, unction services, monoclacies, liturgies, etc., etc., I mean, things just uh, The site... Uh, so for half an hour as I read reading this boy, this young man, the site was very terrible. The evil spirit re- reacted violently and suffering man cried out, that is enough, I cannot endure anymore. Now, some of you have actually witnessed exorcisms in Greece, some of you have seen it on films. I mean, it's not really a nice thing to get involved with uh, because as orthodox literature says, that you can go there and if you're not really concentrating, praying, that they can jump on you. So, you know, people go out of uh, curiosity. It's you know, It can be dangerous. You know, we shouldn't go... And people don't go somewhere to watch someone being... You know, tongue sticking out and all those type of things that happen to people. Now, a psychiatrist, they say, oh, it's just you know, hysteria and things like that. And they try to, um, one of those ACDs, someone who was, some one of them was able to do his tongue as well. Now, whether that means he's possessed, I'll live up to you. But uh, this, these people actually, which is one of the signs of demonic possession, is that when someone's mentally ill, they don't change shape in their faces. But the ones that are possessed actually, as you say, they actually transform and they look quite horrible. And um, and if those who have been, I have been, some of them, but I've also witnessed one something, which I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, the strength that they've got is just beyond. This, I'm not saying this person necessarily is not possessed. There's different possessed when the demons take. Because someone asked last week or last month about that. A person that's possessed when the demons go in and live in the person. And that's when they're... Someone could just be influenced by demons. We're all influenced by demons in our everyday life. All of us. So all of you are. Our thoughts, our passions, that's all influence. It doesn't mean that we're possessed. A possessed person is a person who that didn't actually live in them and do horrible things to them. In my younger years, I did do once, which, as I've said before, I did do some, some prayers, but I later on realised and got advice that you know it's a bit too much. And I did actually read a couple of prayers for someone once, and to this day, I mean, you know, you shouldn't really get scared, but I must admit that um, it was uh, shocking for me, even for me, because I've never seen it before, with the person that I was reading. Now, you might say, oh, you know, making that up to make the church look like this. I don't really care. You know, some people want to think it's all lies. You can think it. But um, that's up to you. From the fruits, you will know them. So, this person had a lot of problems. I think they, were, they, they his family delved in that stuff when he was younger. Because I think, I remember once that um, he described that the priest came to, the, to their house to do holy waters when, when they were younger, and the chandeliers and, and actually the holy water bowl, up in the air and smashed. Anyway, I thought this person was making making it up a bit, overdoing it. But anyway, he had problems, so I decided to read him in my. And I was naive a bit in those days, so I read him. And as I was reading him, um, his um, face transformed such that his face. And this is where I read this, and I go, well, it's true because I his face transformed and came out like that. So he he looked like a dog. He actually, the, the, the snout came out like this, and I got really frightened, I have to say, that I actually became frightened. I got all, you know, goosebumps, and I didn't, you know, just try to finish it and um, set him on his way. But, you know, someone who can do something for him, I, I can't, I, I don't think I can do much. Commemorate? Yes. So liturgies? Yes. But to do those things, it was just too much. Um, it was frightening. Even now, to me, it's just too much. But anyway... That is what I have seen, but I've, and you know, many priests in their in their everyday life as priests, they see many things. But that was actually a a, um, a transformation. He actually looked like a dog. It was actually really really bad. Now, whether this man's possessed or he's, I don't think so. I think it's just influence, influence from. Magic and stuff like that. It wasn't. Maybe he's got something. I don't know. I'm not. I don't have the ability to know whether what was wrong with that person. All I know is that it was. Um, it wasn't very. Wasn't a pleasant sight. I mean, that person wasn't married. Imagine if they were married. I mean, what, what would happen? What would happen to the families? And I mean, that person would have to work themselves out before they would get married, because those problems can start coming to them You know do damage to his family, to his wife, etc. I mean, obviously there's something wrong, like a very aggressive person. He used to go to heavy metal a lot too, by the way. He used to... um, He said that when he used to go to heavy metal that he used to feel something come in him and he used to lose himself and dance, etc., etc. So, you know, I'm not saying that every single person that's gone to heavy metal has become like that. This person... Some people go, they might not influence them. When they come to church... Maybe it starts to come out in them, you know, it depends when the person comes. This person began to come close to church. This person began to try and lead a spiritual life. When that happened, this thing came out. Okay, so a lot of times it doesn't come out. And that's why I've heard tapes from Greece whereby uh, they talk about exorcisms. And there was a person there. Who has no problems and they're sitting there, and all of a sudden they begin to exhibit the same behaviour as the other people because they had problems and they didn't even know it. Sometimes the demons hide. Anyway, after the prayers at this particular monastery, which is famous for those for, 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 for their exorcisms and their um, m- miracles of uh, people being helped with that particular with with those particular problems, The man's face became to to calm down and he then could sleep. And then the next day they rang the bells because it was like a miracle that the person obviously became better. And he went to confession for the first time in his life, communed, etc. And now he's in perfect health. And he became engaged with a particular woman that he wanted to get married to in the first place, which the people that was jealous thing. Before he got sick, and after about a month, he was married, having been reborn through repentance and confession. So that was an example, and that's just I mean, that was many few years ago, but these examples are continual in the Orthodox Church. Questions on what I've said so far? Comments, questions, yes. when a person feels sick and they're not sure whether it's something like that you can anoint yourself with holy oil you can drink holy water you can sprinkle it on yourself you do your cross you do prayers and a lot of times a person can be better. it might not even be that someone's done anything to you it just could be uh, you know like people say to me um I had this problem and I was um, like attacked during the night or whatever. And I go, have you started to increase your prayers lately? They go, uh, yeah, actually I have. I started to, I'm trying to get become close to the church once again or for the first time, whatever. I go, "It's just demonic. Prophecies. It doesn't mean that someone's done anything to them. Whether someone's done something, whether it's just from your own struggles that the demons try to, you know, they don't like it and all that, they just do the same thing. Prayer, uh, commune often, confess drink holy water, anoint yourself with oil and this and that. Now, as for the prayer of the evil eye, some priests say, oh, you can read this yourself, I don't agree, because I think it leads to deception with a person, because it says in there and, you know, it's kind of the prayers centered on the priest doing the prayer. When you begin to do it then, you know, because of our fantasy, we actually can start believing that we're priests and all this stuff, but, you know, the fantasy is very active these days, and so it's better for the priest to do it if the problem still occurs, and usually that's that's all that is. A good question. Now another question. Yeah? Uh, the question is now: um, How come Derek comes forward like, if Derek really exists and how he's more powerful than the devil? I lost concentration. So say one more time. Why, they, um, with the devil than that God is more powerful and that he exists and uh, why
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. why does the
0: devil say they know that God is more powerful than them the people who believe in the demons may not know that as you'll see from the life of St. Mm-hmm. Kippur he didn't even know about the Christian God he just thought Demons were the strongest. The demons themselves know, and they're scared. But they're like blinded in rage and and hate for God that they just keep on going. And even though they know they're going to go to hell, they're going to be putting their eyes as, as the teachings. They just want to take as many souls as they can. They're like blinded with with madness with that. They just just want to go forward and do what they want to do, even though they know they don't want to repent. They just want to take as many souls as they can to help. Now, as for those who follow them, some know that God is more powerful, and that's continued, but the majority, I think, think that He is it, that he's it, that he was, because they see success. You know, like even, you know, Hitler, you know, in, in, you know he uh, believed in those things. He used to go to mediums and gypsies and things like that. A lot of the people who started the communist revolution, a lot of them, when they say, oh, oh, religion's bad, religion's bad. But a lot of them were into those type of things. Was, you know, A lot of them were Satanists, too. They just don't want Christian religion. Their one's okay, but not Christian religion. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Yes. I've often wondered at myself. I've actually, sometimes you know, it's very hard to know, but I think from understanding or reading and, and things like that, is that it's how God permits as well. Some people do the most horrible sins, and you say that, you know, why don't they become possessed? And then you see someone else who's done sins, but nothing close to that. And yet, why, the, you know, one gets that? We don't know. God has reasons for everything. And it's very, very difficult for us. Like, you know how little children ask questions about everyday things, and sometimes we just can't explain to them. They might say, how does electricity work? There's no way you can explain it about atoms and electrons, and that electric current is a flow of electrons and resistance and voltage. We can't do that um, because they're too young. The question's good, but we cannot explain it to them. That's for little children. The same with us in spiritual matters. There are many things that happen in the world, that we cannot comprehend due to our uh, lack of understanding of spiritual matters. The more we start progressing in the spiritual life, the more we see it. But even St. Anthony once, I think it was St. Anthony, where, I can't remember, might have been St. Anthony, it was another saint, was standing in prayer one day and he was contemplating That same thing. Why this? Why that? Why do some people why do some children die and why do some people that are evil they live longer and why this, why that, why this and then either God himself or through an angel I can't remember, said you mind your own business I'm not saying that's like being rude to you but i say in general for all of us you mind your own business and leave that to me I want to bring everyone to salvation and I have my ways and I have my wisdom he knows what he's doing, we don't know you know why little children become possessed? When I went to Jerusalem on a um, pilgrimage in 1991, before I became a priest, went to Jerusalem with a group, and there was a woman there who was possessed. She was every time she would go near a a um, holy place, she would start. But when she would come out of it after the priest would read her and things like that, you know, she was quite a, a, a pious person, and she said to me. Um, I suffer, but it's through this suffering that I've come to Christ. A lot of times, people through being possessed or even had magic done on them, or through sufferings or whatever, have come to Christ. Uh, in those, in the pamphlets, the um, African priest said that you know, Western society, a lot of Western people say, "Oh, AIDS is bad and cancer is bad and all these type of things." He goes, "We don't look at it up like that." This is God's love. A lot of times that these diseases is what helps people prepare themselves to be saved. If you believe that the next life is the true life, then cancer and AIDS and possession and all these things begin to make sense. God in his wisdom is doing what he's doing to bring people to salvation. You cannot explain. It. I would not be able to say why a little five-year-old is possessed and suffering or why they're in hospital at this moment with no hair and dying of leukemia. And then you've got, you know, and then you've got others. All I know, what I do know is that those children are in God's hands and God in his love is doing whatever he can to bring them. Why does he allow some to grow up and become serial killers? Or some to become and become rapists or other type of horrible people and pedophiles? Why didn't he take them when they were young? I don't know. I do not know. I don't know the answers to those questions. But I do know from my heart that God, in his wisdom, knows the best for all of us. Does that help with the answer? I think what I'm going to do, because it's a bit, it's, it's a bit, it's 9.30 and I want to end, we'll because we started a bit late because of the service. am Just so you know we've got up to, we went up to, um... That's it. I want to um, stop at that page there and continue and continue the life, and as you, as you noticed, which is what I did in the other talks. I like to read a bit from the life and relate it to every day. And then read a little bit more and wrote to it. I don't like just reading from the life, because people think, oh, that was then, people don't understand. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no difference. As it was then, it's now. There's no um, difference, and that's why we, we can relate all these things that we're reading to, 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 to today. And even though it's a it's a it's a, a fantasy that Harry Potter uh, things, but yet the, the basis is correct. But it's really um I think it's the worst type of abuse to allow one's child to look at those type of um play, of those type of business. and children have become really, really interested in in um magic and sorceries and all those type of things. It's just um a scourge of society. I think it's 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 the um one of the worst things that's happened for a while. Actually, you know they say AIDS was so bad. AIDS is not bad. <clears throat> a lot of people repent. A lot of people become humble. This is the worst. That this thing, because this kills the soul. AIDS only affects the body, and then takes the. Then a lot of times, people prepare and repent, etc not hate and cancer. Oh, the you know, Greeks say the and they can't even say the word, you know, you know, the, the, the you know, like some people would say, oh, see, you know, see, see what? See, see what? what? See what? They can't say it. You know? That, that, why don't you say it? I might get it. They're that, they're that scared of cancer. But what is what is the worst than cancer and AIDS and leukemia and well, heart? Now they say heart's even worse now. They say that heart disease is... Um, the Heart isn't very good because sometimes people can go abruptly. That, I have to say, is not a good one. Because uh, I remember once some person said to me, I want to go abrupt. I want to just die and that's it. I don't want to suffer. Well, AIDS people and people who have got... Parkinson's and a lot of other sicknesses, motor neurone disease, like my mother had, and AIDS, they all oh, die like really slow deaths. That, a lot of times, is better. Even St. John of Constant, when he was dying, couldn't breathe, he was gasping. And as he was gasping, and this, uh, he said, I thank God that he's given me this time to help me with my cleansing, to help me prepare more for the next life. The heart is again in God's, but it can be bad and good now sometimes people can die of a heart attack suddenly but we don't know that they actually were praying within themselves and praying and saying i wish i can change my life i wish i can be with god more and they die we don't know what they were thinking but they just die abruptly that's a positive thing but where it's really bad is when someone just dies suddenly with no repentance so um that's those things. But the, the sorcery, the demon, all those type of things that are occurring out, that is really eating the soul of a person. And that is the worst that one can have. Like, that is the worst. That's us more. One more question and we'll finish. Yes? So, when we approach a friend that that's and saw one of those people that abuse students, people. As a priest, I come across that a lot, and you've got to be careful the way you do it, because some people have no idea, and um, they can become offended, and it's like you're attacking them. I speak generally when I say to people, I just say, I don't look at you. So when you talk to a person straight one-on-one, like meaning if you're directing your conversation to them, they can become offended from their pride. So what I do a lot of times is, unless it's a practicing orthodox Christian, then I don't hold back um, because they should know better. If it's someone else that's ignorant, you've got to be careful, some people don't know. They actually don't know much about it. You say, in general, you say, oh, I've read that, um, in the church, that um, those type of things are forbidden by the church. The saints are forbidden. It's not. It's no good. You say a little bit. See his reaction. If they're interested a bit more, then you say a bit more. If they become really, you know, agitated. Then you, you've done. You've, at, least, at least you've gone to that stage. You've said even one sentence is enough. If he's got a good disposition, he'll take it. He might go home. But when you keep on going on them, a lot of times you put them in a the corner, out of their pride, they'll say, "No, there's nothing wrong with it." Sometimes you can push a person into a corner where they just say, um, there's nothing wrong with it and I'm going to still go just because they don't want to say that they're wrong. I just say to them a little bit, let them think, and then you say to them, oh, if you want to know more, I can give you a book about it, whatever, and leave them at that. Let them come back themselves or let them go and research it by themselves. Um, I think. But if you keep on going on them, uh, you can do them more damage. That's why Christ himself, he didn't persist with people, but on purpose, he went out into faraway areas, into you know into the desert into those areas there and he let the ones that were interested to come to him but he avoided preaching to the masses to the people because they weren't interested a lot of times and he he would make them worse he likes people who come to him and listen from themselves not force so that's the um how i look at it do do you agree with that okay so today we have last week's two pamphlets whoever is interested was which i hope that you read it was one on the people who talk to the dead and all that that was very good from a holy elder in romania this one was excellent this was this has been done by the monastery of saint anthony in america and they've put quite a lot of things together about the harry potter thing which i think is interesting you should read that. And today's one is a new one which I found for you. It's uh, an interview with Blessed Father Cosmas Grigoriatus, which was a Athenite father, a priest monk from manathos where he went to Africa and he became a great missionary, but unfortunately he died. God knows why. he died early, but he did quite a lot of work. And this is an interview, and the interview is on. It says, "Orthodoxy and Magic on the Black Continent in Africa." And read this, and and you will. I didn't promise I was going to do it, but I'm just going to. I ask someone to, uh, to highlight it for me. Okay, sorry. Far fetched. Some of you find it far fetched. Doesn't matter. That's okay. You know, in India and all that, they do a lot of miracles. People do a lot of, there's a lot of phenomena over there. Charismatic movements, which we'll talk about, God willing, in the future. It says here a priest, Father Romanos, this is in Africa, visited a woman in jail who told him that she had traveled from one place to another with her aeroplane at night. And she had uh, crashed somewhere in another village, and she had run because she had run out of gas. Now, I mean, we live in a, in a richer country than Africa, and we haven't got aeroplanes to fly around from here to there. Um, so it's a Just wondering what this aeroplane is that she was she's referring to. So this is this is what it says. This is this is by the the, the father, the priest, a very very holy man, a missionary. See, he says her aeroplane was a stalk of corn. In other words, it was like a piece of wood, but it's from a corn. And it it had two wings of a hen. One on the right and one on the left. Now you might say, looks like a toy they're going to bring out soon. (laughs) hopefully Hopefully without the lead paint. And it was made by a magician. It was made by a magician. And the gas was the blood of a infant, um, which the which doctor inserts within the heart of the stork with a syringe. Immediately it began to work and fly in the air, transport its passenger. Um, the flying always happens in the middle of the night and for evil intentions. Now, that for some may appear like a joke. For me, I believe it. Because, as I said, the you know in, in, in um, a lot of in those places like India and all that, there's a lot of that stuff going on, and the UFOs that some of you might believe, we've got the the third encounters where the person's abducted because he says I was there and I was taken there and all this type of thing. Yeah, that's true because the demons are spirits. And the, read that in, Saint, in Father Sarah from Rose's book, whereby there was an official investigation of the UFO phenomena, because people were seeing it everywhere, especially in America, they were seeing a lot there. And there was an official investigation by was it NASA? I think it was NASA, I think, something like that. One of those up, over there. And they called it the Blue Report. It was a report, which they did. And interesting, I found that really, really interesting, that even these secular type of scientists, etc., that were studying, admitted, not understanding fully, because they don't know orthodox spirituality, they said that they were convinced that the way to explain the UFO phenomena is that, they didn't believe it comes from that, Spain, that it was a realm within our own realm. That there exists a realm, like a, a, a something that's here on earth, but we can't see. And what they're saying is exactly what we say. We call it in orthodox spirituality the aerial realm. We read in the prayers. The aerial realm is that the demons are in, on the earth, in the air. They're here in the air and that um, the, they discovered that the only way to explain it is that, they have that there's some type of another existence in our existence. That's as far as I go, if I remember right. Some of you can read. It's called Orthodoxy and the Ridge of the Future by Father Seraphim Rose. Excellent book. And, um, and it talks about transportation of people from here to these and all that type of stuff. So therefore, here, it's not necessarily that they need a broom. I mean, here it's a broom. In Baghdad, it might be a carpet. Right? And then in, you know, in, um, I don't know, in other countries, it could be something else. It could be a sunflower. I don't know. It depends on where they're from. So every, every place has their own particular culture. Over there, it's that. But it's just interesting that this was, that this was written... I mean, Father, Father Cosmasia, he died, I think, over 12, 20 or more years ago, way before Ms. Miss, Miss Rowling wrote her book. And yet, where we think our kids are looking at something about brooms and all this stuff, we think it's a joke. It's not a joke. Demons have the ability to pick someone up and transport them from here to there and fly, and that's it. That is easy for them. And that's how you explain the UFO. Once you understand Orthodox spirituality, all these things make sense. People speaking to the dead, how people know about this and how people know about that and how people go from one place to another. Everything makes sense within the Orthodox Church. Even the Roman Catholics where they're absent in many things because of, they don't have the full, the, the full tradition as we do. But even there, I remember a young boy going once, a young man who had experienced some demonic things, and they, he went to a, um, a Catholic priest, because he was Orthodox, but he went to a Catholic priest, because he didn't know. He, he thought that all the Greeks just speak Greek, and they didn't know to go to them. So he went, he, was on, he went to a Catholic priest, he said to the Catholic priest, oh, oh, I, I can do this, this, and this. Some, I don't know what he could do, some demonic things. And the Catholic priest said, "Um, that might be from the devil. And this guy was really shocked and goes, oh, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And so people think that if you're doing good, it can't be from the demons. But that's what the demons do. do. They like to do what appears good, but behind it is them. And it's just interesting that even the Catholic priest said, it could be from the demons. And this person woke up and then he came to orthodoxy. So I hope you um, get benefit from this. It's a, very, it's a very good pamphlet. Next month, God willing, we will continue on with the life and I will try to elaborate more and more using contemporary examples, like I did uh, today. Through the prayers of the holy fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, the Blessed Holy Spirit, Amen.